Coming to you direct from the heart of New York City all the way to wherever you are, you're listening to the Fifth Jazz World Report. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. But I have to confess, I'm in a bit of a dilemma this festive season because is it Christmas or is it Happy Holidays? I'm confused, damn it. I mean, folks, why do we have to say Happy Holidays? You know why? Because that's politically incorrect and it's also culturally incorrect. So today I'm going to get and discuss the C word. And I've asked for divine help on this one in the form of Bishop Dale Bronner. He's the senior pastor and founder of the World of Faith Family Worship Cathedral in Atlanta, Georgia, that has more than 20,000 members. He's also a leadership trainer, a conference speaker, and an author of many books like Get a Grip, Guard Your Gates, A Checkup from the Neck Up, Treasure Your Silent Years, and his most recent book, Change Your Trajectory. It's an honor to welcome to the show Bishop Dale Bronner. My brother, my man, welcome to me. <laughs> well, it's good to be with you again. So great. We're going to have a great time today. Yes, we are. How you doing, player? <laughs> I'm doing absolutely wonderfully. I bet you haven't been called player since your teenage <laughs> years, right? I've never been a player. I've only <laughs> been a participator. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love about pastors. You know, they can put everything right. <laughs> Isn't this the greatest time of year, though? The lights, the Christmas tree, love in the air, gifts, plenty to eat, plenty to drink. It is an absolutely wonderful time of year, a very festive time of year, a time for food and fellowship and fun. Uh, it, it is a really, really great, great time of year for me and for many, many other of our citizens around the country. You know, I had Bishop T.D. Jakes on the show recently, and, and, and he said for Christmas... The family is not giving gifts to each other. They're giving themselves to each other. <laughs> wow. At first, I thought he was broke. <laughs> but then, you know, when was the last time you saw a broke pastor, right? <laughs> and I tried that same trick on my wife. I said, baby, you're looking at your gift. You can unwrap me now and play with your new toy. <laughs> In fact, <laughs> treat me like a Las Vegas buffet and indulge yourself. Eat as much as you want. Oh, Bishop my. Dale, it ain't easy being me. <laughs> wow. You know, really what I think it's about is actually creating an experience that becomes a memory that can never, ever be lost because right. life is a collection of moments and memories. And so when you have just a thing given to you, once you uh, have the initial excitement of that thing, it's over. But when you create an experience mm. that becomes memorable on your deathbed, you don't remember new sweaters and a pair of socks or new pajamas what you remember are those incredible times that made you laugh, that made you cry, that were memorable when somebody was uh, around and something uh, silly happened. Those are the things that we reminisce and that we treasure in our life as, as we grow older. No, seriously, you know what? I share that same philosophy. Um, I've always thought of life as a sum of moments. Yes. And, 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 you know, when you're lying on your deathbed, uh, you should have those moments to fall back upon. 
Yes. Uh, because that's right. what life was about. Exactly. But you exactly. know, I don't mind a few, a pair of Gucci, Gucci loafers. <laughs> <laughs> a few of those are pretty good, and yeah. if, if, if it's a, a spectacular gift, and then that that becomes memorable all in and of itself. So, Bishop Dale, tell me, have you been naughty, or you been nice? I've been nice. I've been nice. I've been raised to be nice. I'm nice by nature. <laughs> I'm naughty by nature, and that feels so damn nice. <laughs> <laughs> that you are. <laughs> uh, but tell me, you know what? I mean, tell us about what was Christmas like for you growing up? Well, I grew up with five other brothers, so we had a lot of testosterone in the house. Mm. And uh, with mom and dad, Christmas was an absolute fascinating, exciting time. I could barely sleep during those days, particularly on Christmas Eve. I just, I just couldn't sleep. There was so much excitement in the air. Mm-hmm. A lot of, uh, a lot of living. Our house. We had a sign in our house that said that this house is clean enough to be healthy, but dirty enough to be happy. And nice. it, it, it was an incredible experience, you know, just growing up with with my brothers together, living together, laughing together, loving together, learning together, and then ultimately learning how to work together and building and leaving a legacy together. So it was it was so much fun. Just the conversation that we had around. Uh, the dinner tables mm. and watching each other open gifts and uh, and the excitement because we never knew what we were getting so it was it, it it had such anticipation such joy such love and we've always been a really open family there were times that we'd reach out to people in the community who had no family there and invite those people to come in and celebrate with us so we've been a, a very open family, you know, mm. in, in my own experience growing up, and that, that we shared the joys of our life with other, other families, who, uh, other people who didn't have families, at least perhaps not in, in our city. What, was the, um, what traditions do you remember during Christmas? I do remember our getting up and uh, remembering the the whole birth story of Jesus. We would often perhaps read from uh, Luke chapter 2 as as a as, as a ceremony we expressed our thanksgiving to God. We sometimes sang together uh some some Christmas songs and that that became our our tradition of of just Sitting there as a family, when we ate together, we always had the television off. There was no form of media that was going. We refused to answer telephones so that we could really get into the lives of others, listen to each other. Uh, I note that the, uh, the holidays oftentimes can be depressing times for some people who don't have family or people who are widowed. And uh, or they they are empty nesters, and mm. they become sad because all of the life that used to be in the house is no longer there anymore. And sometimes, the greatest gift that I believe that we can give is just the gift of listening. When you listen to a person intently, you affirm them. You don't only listen with your ears; you listen with your eyes. You listen with the way that you lean in uh, into the conversation. You you listen with your uh, with your your empathy, your emotions. 
So that validates a person. It, it, it lets them know, even when they're in difficult times, you are not alone. You're not alone. Pain is intensified when you're alone. And when you share with a person, particularly during the holiday season, it helps them to realize you're not alone. It makes it so much better for a lonely person. So really, you're talking about the gift of kindness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because everyone's running around buying a gift. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, going online and, 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 and you know, going to the shops and things like that. Yes, uh, it's almost become something that's become a burden. It, it, right. That is true. That is true. And just giving to somebody who can give right back to you. And it's like, I got you something. What did you get me? Mm. I think that the real meaning and the thing that adds significance to Christmas is when you, you give in, in a way that it has been unmerited towards someone who is not even expecting it. And it might be something little on our part, but it makes a huge impact in the life of someone else who was thoughtful toward them. And what sort of traditions have you taken forward you know, your in, young in my days. own family, mm. of raising my own five children, I carried over some of the same traditions that I had in my family growing up before um, they could even open any of their toys. We came and gathered around. We sang a Christmas song. We read from the scriptures the story of Jesus all over again. And, and that, had, that took discipline, but it, it was a value that had been instilled in our children since they were very, very young because I didn't want them to just think that it was about the materialism of the toys itself. We've really illustrated for them that together trumps toys. Being together trumps toys. Mm -hmm. And so that was our uh, ritual, singing together, praying together, reading the scriptures to really understand what this incredible uh, holy day, I don't even just call it a holiday, but for us, um, for the Christian community, it is a holy day because we are commemorating the birth of whom we esteem as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So that, it, it was that where we put the spiritual emphasis on it, and, uh, and then we gave them some of the natural things as well. But we, we had that thing where we went around the room and we expressed things for which we were thankful. And it made it a collective, meaningful experience for us just as a family. So regardless of faith, what is the one thing that everyone should do this Christmas? The one thing that everyone should do this Christmas is to be a gift. Be a gift. Every person possesses a gift. Let the gift that you give be the gift of yourself. It may be fine to go out and purchase a gift, mm. but the most impacting gift is the gift of giving a part of yourself your, your, your abilities, your intuitiveness, sometimes, as I mentioned, even the gift of your listening, sometimes the gift of your just being there. There are going to be individuals that are going to be in the hospital on Christmas Day, Christmas Eve. Mm. They've had issues that they're dealing with in their body. Their most meaningful things is, is not a gift. It is that people that around them love them and affirm 
their value by saying, I choose to be with you. It is picking up the telephone and calling another relative or a friend who may be across the country and you know that they don't have family there with them to say to them, you are not alone, to even touch them in other parts of the country or other parts of the world. Technology has made it where we we can connect, we can FaceTime with them, we can Skype them, and you can reach out and touch someone. And it brings a smile to grandparents who weren't able to be in the same city with their grandchildren and for them to Skype and to FaceTime them is a gift to them that's oftentimes supersedes anything else. It's the gift of family. It is the gift of togetherness. It is the gift of kindness and selflessness. So it is about being that gift to say, what is it that I have to give? Your gift might be making a person laugh. You're that kind of gift to me. You know, you have this incredible gift to make people laugh. Well, I'm sending your wife a gift. (laughs) It's a photo of me for her bedside table. (laughs) Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Yes, yes. (laughs) But, you know, Christmas is not a day anymore. I mean, the moment Thanksgiving is over, and that's what I love about Christmas, it's actually a season. It is a season. It really is. And, and, And apart from the gifts and apart from the 25th of December... There's so much more that we can get out of this period, right? Oh, absolutely. And and, and I was yeah. thinking about, you know, um, spending some time on, on and as you said, helping others, but spending some time on, on, on self-reflection. Yes. Uh, spending some time on setting goals for the year that's coming ahead. Yes. Uh, could you enlighten us on these sort of things? Am I right in saying what I'm saying, though? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, as I said, you are a gift. We possess a gift. We carry a gift in us. Mm. It's a great time of the year to reflect how far we have come to really take an evaluation mm. of what, what we are strong in, what we are missing, what we need to, to do to improve next year to make it better. Mm-hmm. what we need to eliminate, what we need to add to ourselves, what we need to focus more on so that we can become better in that particular area. All of those things are ways of sharpening our gift. Every gift that a person possesses mm-hmm. can be made better. and But we cannot make anything better without the gift of reflection, where we stop and evaluate looking back In fact, the word respect literally means to look back. When you look back at the sacrifices that your parents made for you, there is a respect that wells up in your heart. People who are disrespectful fail to look back and see others who have helped them, who have spoken into their life, who have uh, helped them to evolve into who they are. So absolutely, I mean, it is the season for saying, what is this thing called life? What is its real meaning? And how well am I doing? Every year, it, it's a reminder to us that another calendar year has, has elapsed. Mm. And where am I in the great scheme of things, in the big picture of what I want to do with my life? How is my life making a difference as as the years pass by? We have to evaluate, and it's the best time in the world to be able to do that because how you end a thing determines automatically how you begin the new thing. 
That's very profound, um, Bishop Dale. You know, the one thing I did notice, though, this season, most of us usually, the way we conduct ourselves usually can be categorized in, in, in three forms. Um, a lot of parties. There's a lot of gluttony going around. Yep. Followed by this whole gift. Yep. Giving, uh, gift buying. Um, so that's, in a way, some form of greed. And then, you know, come New Year, everyone's on a diet. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's basically these three things. Yes. And and that's what I wanted, you know, we're sort of narrowing the, the, the Christmas season into just these three columns. Wow. And and, wow. and yet you're saying there's so much more that we should be doing and making use of this time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You, you, but you're, you're exactly right. I mean, it, it becomes a time of gluttony and, and partying and uh, doing all of that. Mm. And, and, and it's fine to celebrate. Uh, I think that we do need to celebrate victories along the way, celebrate that we've made it to another place. But at the same time, to, to, to start looking forward. I think that we have to have educational goals. What am I doing? What is my plan, my personal growth plan for my life? Growth is not automatic. Change is, is inevitable. Growth is optional. We have to choose to grow. We have to do intentional things in our life to grow. What are we going to do next year uh, that's going to put us in a better financial position than where we are this year? Right. So it's, it's not just about losing weight and trying to feel great. It's about taking a checkup uh, in your financial health. Mm -hmm. How am I doing in, 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 in my budgets? Uh, am, I, am I on target for my retirement? Am I actually spending more than I'm taking in? Mm -hmm. Or am, am, am I uh, in a situation where I'm, I'm trying to let my output be more than my income, which eventually it means that your upkeep is going to be your downfall. And this is a truth that romance without finance is a nuisance. Right. And you were also mentioning this whole, you know, very important concept called growth. Yes. That we constantly seek to become better, uh, improve ourselves. What I find is what, what fails us is lack of being persistent and lack yeah. of being consistent. Yes. Yes. What, you know, and that is the constant theme with everybody. Yes. Yes. And in your experience and, and, and using the word of God and, and, and using the wisdom of life, what are the ways that we can overcome this whole lack of persistency and lack of consistency? You know, that's a great question. And I, I think we have to always keep our focus on the big picture, on the big picture. Mm. Uh, as I mentioned, celebrate small victories, but keep your eye on the big picture. The real secret to success is always found in your daily routine. The real secret of success is always found in the daily routine. And we have to look to say, what am I doing every single day in my life that is moving me toward the direction of where I desire to be? Because you can only become tomorrow what you are becoming today. So the secret of it is, 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 uh, is in the humdrum, routine, consistency, diligence of doing the same things consistently that makes us a master. Excellence is the result of diligently 
doing repetitive things, and it makes us better over time. So we have to define for ourselves, what do I need to do in my daily routine for my health goals, for my financial goals, for my relationship goals, uh, for my career goals? I mean, we have to really have something that we are actually doing on a daily basis. How does this reflect in my daily routine? It's not a once-in-a-lifetime thing. It's not something that we just do uh, for, for 21 days. It takes longer. In all honesty, it takes longer to establish a habit than 21 days. If that were true, then, uh, you know, I, I've, I see when I go to the gym, mm. uh, by the time March rolls around, yeah. people have fallen off the wagon. Right. They've, they've lost sight of it because it, it was faddish for them to get started. They had these New Year's resolutions. They're going to start the new year with a big bang, be disciplined, diligent. They're going to go to the gym every day, work out, and they can't even do it three months before they become inconsistent. <laughs> so, That's so true, you know, and what I'm getting from you is, you know, if you want to change your story, you have to change the script. Absolutely. Wow. Beautifully put. Absolutely. You really do. Yes, and, and you And, you know, what I do is... Um, I put my goals on on my mirror. Yes. So if I'm brushing my teeth, I'm shaving or what have you, uh, they allow me to prevent what temptation can do to you. Right, right, yes. Because like you said, you know what? You have to do it every day. You do, you do. Because you're going to be tempted. Yes, absolutely. Every day. Absolutely. I, you know, because I find that they get turned around very, very gradually. I, I, I say it this way. Distraction is the destruction of your dream in slow motion. Repeat so that, please. It, it's, it's really interesting to see, watch people become distracted. Mm. Uh, it, it is broken focus that causes more dreams to go unfulfilled than anything else I know. Broken focus. They they get distracted by something. They whether it's a relationship, whether it's uh, you know um, uh, some other endeavor, a, a side thing that is not their main thing, their their main passion of what they are really should be focusing on. They 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 become distracted, and a result of that distraction means that it gets them totally off target from their original goals and plans. How can we turn what we truly want into how we should truly be? How do we turn our desire into our destiny? That's a great great question. I think it it really helps us when we get around other people Mm. that have a similar desire and drive in their heart. Mm -hmm. Um, I would hate to go hunting with someone who has no appetite for hunting because the lethargy in their heart, in their mind, it can become contagious to me. Um, but there's something about it. If, if you get around other disciplined people with their diet, when you go out to eat, your food choices will be better. If your best friends are people that work out daily and they ask you and talk about their workout routines, then your daily routine with exercise will be better. Um, it's, it's inescapable that those people in our inner circle who surround our life determine our level of success. So when you feel, see people that get thrown off track, mm-hmm. they are not surrounding themselves with people that are, are on the same hunt. You know, some animals go hunting in packs right. of wolves, and they're, all of them are hungry. 
all of them have an incredible, voracious appetite. The worst thing that you could do would be to get with some who have no appetite and they're lazy and they'd rather lay down in the grass and go to sleep. (laughs) And for many, they treasure sleep over the pursuit of the passion that is in their heart because they lack hunger. And uh, so that helps to more than anything I know, to keep us um, accountable Mm -hmm. and motivated. Uh, I've always believed in having somebody else on a greater level who's doing bigger things than you are, and don't be intimidated by that, be motivated by it. So I, I celebrate, you know, uh, Joel Osteen's ministry. I, I celebrate Bishop T.D. Jakes' ministry. I celebrate Rick Warren's ministry. Let's talk about the C word. <laughs> okay. In my lifetime, I've lived in Asia, I've lived in Europe, Middle East. Everyone says and acknowledges the two words, Merry Christmas. Yes. And, you know, in this country, we're told to say Happy Holidays, And like I said, you know, earlier on, that's not being politically correct. That's real BS, actually. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, um, in fact, in New York, uh, one principles banned the use of words like Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Santa Claus. Now, that's being politically incorrect. That's being culturally incorrect. And you know what? Even my atheist friends, um, they get a Christmas tree for their kids, but they call it a friendship tree. Wow. Um you know, and I, st- I told them, I said, that's wrong. A Christmas tree is a Christmas tree. Right. You get a cactus tree, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one's named that one yet. But be, but be careful. You know, that's one prick too many. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, stop manipulating other people's faith. Right, right, exactly. You know, being biased is not necessarily just about having a point of view. It's also about eliminating a point of view. Yes, absolutely. And and, and, um, what are we doing? I mean, if we are trying to downplay the religion of the majority of this country, which politically correct fool thinks that the minorities stand a chance. Exactly. Exactly. That is that is a brilliant point. That is an absolute brilliant point. And and you know, I'm amazed at the passivity of uh, in, you know, in all honesty in many instances of the Christian community not being outraged by it because this is a part of our history. It is a part of our culture. Why would we deny uh, something that is historical. I mean, we live in a sad day when we become offended over the words "Merry Christmas." I mean, it's do a we festive have that greeting many, for Christ's uh, sake. Grouches, right? <laughs> who are just saying "Bah humbug," <laughs> you know, yeah. to the the whole concept of Merry Christmas. I mean, it it doesn't even have to. You don't even have to be religious to appreciate a person just simply saying to you, Merry Christmas. I mean, I grew up going into stores, re- restaurants. It was, a, it was a greeting, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Whether you were a Christian or not, it was just Merry Christmas. It's, it became a custom, a part of the American culture. And as you have noted, that it is celebrated in, it is probably the, the widest celebrated common holiday around the world. And, Everywhere, and, and, and others will say Merry Christmas, and it doesn't convert you. 
Right, exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any more than my saying Happy Hanukkah to, to a Jewish friend. Exactly. Or, uh, you know, Happy Ramadan or Happy Eid. Uh, right, absolutely. Uh, it, absolutely. It's, it's an extension, it's an acknowledgement of and respect for someone else's faith. Absolutely. And that's about it. And you're wishing them well for their faith. Yes. And and that's what I don't understand with the Political Correctness Brigade. What what have you achieved? You're actually trying to destroy something. Right. Exactly. But, you know, you are in a position of power because you are um, at the head of the pulpit. So how do you protect and defend Christmas? Well, you know, my, my emphasis is taking them back to to the Bible. I have a great text. I, I, I go to the, the historical roots for uh, which it all has meaning to us. I mean, to me, every time a person accepts Jesus Christ in their heart, that's Christmas. No, but he's, Bishop Dale... He's born into their heart. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm preaching it from a solid biblical perspective. But can you take it to a practical perspective? Like when you send your flock out after you've finished your sermon, say, you know what, go and be proud to be Christian. Go out and and, and defy everyone. If they wish you happy holiday, smile and nod and then reply back saying Merry Christmas to you. (laughs) Absolutely. Wow, yeah, yeah, that's you know that that is a that is a great great idea, mm. um, and and because we even spread the word we, this Sunday, Bishop. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm I'm going to encourage that. I'm going to encourage that. I really, I really am. I, I I've started doing I it, that. and I'm not even Christian. And 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 you're not politically correct. God either. won't accept And so, me. as long as you're around, I know that we won't have to worry about political correctness as it relates to Merry Christmas, and right. that's that's a part of your gift to our nation. Because it just makes me very angry. Because you know what? Um, obviously, it has an impact on our society. It has an impact on our children. And yes. most of all, it's got an impact on our values. Yes. Yes, it does. It, it <laughs> totally baffles me. Yes, yes, yes. Happy holidays. I mean, that's, that's actually an insult. <laughs> it is. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely nothing for us to be ashamed of. Mm. You know, when I even talk about it, I, I said that, you know, even the Christmas tree, it's not even about the presence under the tree. It's about the one who was hanged on a tree for us. From the Christian perspective, it's a, it's a deep thing that is connected not only to the life and the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ, but, but it also speaks of the time where we come together as family, we eat together, we pray together, we sing together, we play together, we laugh together, mm-hmm. we create memories together, we love together, we, we share uh, with others, we reach out to other uh, people that are lonely during that time. I mean, it's it's a great, great time just to be a great human being, to to be uh, loving towards your neighbor or someone. You know, there there have been times at the Christmas season, I'll go into a restaurant and just leave a hundred dollar tip for for someone to make their day. These people have to; they're people that have to work on Christmas Day. They have to work on Christmas Day, and uh, and they can't be at home with their families. Right. And sometimes just to, to even think about a person who's doing what they have to do in order to make ends meet, how can we make their day uh, to be a wonderful experience, even when they have to go to work? 
And and that's why you know I I, I look at my Christian friends and and I, I feel angry with them at them. That why are you allowing this to happen? Yes, yes. Just by numbers alone, you're in the majority. Sure, absolutely. Uh, when the Muslim world wishes everyone Merry Christmas. Yes. Why are you saying Happy Holy? Why right. do Christians have this sudden knack of being able to feel so guilty so yes. quickly? What is it about the religion or the culture that they have this sense of guilt? Because you have to feel guilty if, you, if you're allowing your religious season to be manipulated. And that's so true. That is so, so true. Well, why why so do true. Christians feel so guilty so quickly? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, sometimes the change happens so subtly. Uh, no, it's not happening subtly, because I tell you what, like even in my son's school, yes, it starts from there. Wow. It's, you know, the, the, the Christmas tree is called the friendship tree. Oh, wow. And, and that's, I had a fight at school with the, with the uh, headmaster and things like that. Uh, wow. Yeah, I said, I know a Christmas tree when I see one. <laughs> wow. And, you know, you can't sing certain hymns, uh, things like that. Wow. Uh, and and I, I think in Florida, I think certain colors are banned, like red and green during this festive season. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow, that's outrageous. Yeah, so that where is, is the Christian uprising? You know, that's where I feel very disappointed. I even did a show, um, I think about a year ago, and I called it, Are Christians the Weakest Defenders of Their Faith? Oh, wow. 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 Well, I tell you one way to always uh, uh, get the, the attention, particularly of, of the secular world that mm. is trying to sell something, that if Christians really turned it into their values and boycotted some of the of their purchases, I think that they'd go back fairly rapidly and start calling things Merry Christmas again. Right. They really don't want to offend the majority. <laughs> you know, and I don't know whether in their minds that it's for uh, this kind of diversity, sensitivity, and inclusion, mm. and, and trying not to be offensive. But in their whole attempt of trying not to be offensive, it is offending in the very process. But what is offensive about the words Merry Christmas? It does not mean, may you be a Christian tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. See, and 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 I've I've never heard that articulated. I've I've I for the life of me mm. I can't understand why that is an issue. You know, I mean, I'm not Catholic, but uh, you know, I do. No, do but sir, I mean, you're in the religious Catholic world. Rituals. You're in the religious world. You must meet pastors of different religions. Uh, I do. Do they ever discuss that? You know, because. It could be their religion that's going to be manipulated next. That's correct. That, that's, that, that is very, very true. Yes, you know, I, I've not really heard uh, uh, much discussion uh, concerning that uh, as an outrage. I, I, I really have not. And, uh, you know, because for some it's, it's, it's that they, they wonder why aren't they referring to this the way that they used to refer to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so they they they're, they're bringing that in 
in in um, in in very clandestine ways sometimes, but it's 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 overt as you mentioned in the schools. I mean, and and I know that uh, some uh, corporate companies, instead of saying Merry Christmas, they've gone to the more generic thing of Happy Holidays. Mm. And uh, I, how I can you expect to be passionate about religion when you yourself are passive about it? <laughs> right. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, wow. And see, one of the things that we do during the, the, the holidays, we, we try to even reach out uh, in our community, just like um, this past Thanksgiving. Mm. We fed for a week 2,500 families. Wow. And they didn't have to be members of our church. That's 1,000 people almost, based on four people per family. 2,500 families, you said? Yes, yes, yes. We fed, we, we uh, did uh, food, we provided food for a week for 2,500 families. 10,000, sorry. Yeah, yeah, 10, exactly. 000, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it was, that, that was, uh, that was impacting quite a few uh, people. And we, we didn't twist their arms and mm. make them convert to, to Christianity. We, we didn't ask them, were they a Christian? We were just spreading Thanksgiving, expressing our blessings and sharing it to try to make somebody else's life more enjoyable, at least for a, for a period, you know, to give them something for which to say, I've not been forgotten. Things may not be as best as they could be in my life, but they could be worse. Mm. And we really want to provoke this whole sense of Thanksgiving. To me, gratitude is an attitude, but Thanksgiving is an action. It is an action. Nice. It moves you to do something about what you feel. That's the difference between empathy and compassion. Empathy feels sorry for, for a person, but compassion takes the empathy and it moves a person into action. So when you, you ever find compassion, compassionate people are doing something about what they feel. Right. It's not just feeling it. It's doing something about what you feel. Now, as a pastor, uh, you're very aware of all the world events that have been happening and things like that. Uh, 2016, what can your flock expect to hear from you in terms of the themes that you're going to have going forward? You know, my theme for 2016 mm. is about building, build lives, build loyalty, build a legacy. It's about building, and sometimes it's about actually coming back and reconnecting with God in a way that we become ignited and passionate once again. If you take um, wood out of the fire, the embers begin to grow cold. So we have to get back into it because we need a revival in our faith. We need a revival uh, because the spiritual impetus uh, of, of our country has, has been diminished in so many different arenas. Yeah, happy but, holidays for one. Yeah, it, absolutely, absolutely. But the more passionate that we are about this in our homes and in our hearts, the more that it will show when we go out in, in society. So I want to really, I'm, I have, I've been praying for massive revival to happen, that there is a spiritual awakening and sensitivity back toward God 
in, in, in our hearts and a real recommitment deepening even in our understanding of our faith. And so it's exposing them to this, this thing, to have this God hunger that will ultimately birth revival in our country. It's interesting you chose that theme. What has happened this year or the years gone by that you felt there was this vacant hole in an individual's building of spirituality? Yeah, I mean, I see it in the destruction um, of, of the family. That's, that's the first thing. Hmm. When I see families break down, marriages break down, our, we have more divorces than we have successful marriage. I mean, our divorce rate is over 50%, you know, so, and then if, if it's a second or third marriage, it's even higher than that. So we've had a breakdown in the marital relationship. Then we've, we've had a, just a breakdown in the families, in, in the love, in the respect that children even have for their parents. If they don't, uh, if they don't have that respect issue done, taught well in their home. We've got a real problem in the society because the family is a microcosm of the society. We had an eight-year-old boy in our church in a creative writing class who wrote these words. He says, if you're not disciplined in the home, you're disciplined in the school. If you're not disciplined in the school, you're disciplined in the street. If you're not disciplined in the street, you're disciplined in the jail. And he said, if you're not disciplined in the jail, time's up, you're in hell. Eight years old, he understood the flow that it begins in the home. And when discipline is not taught in the home, they have a problem in the school, they have a problem in the streets, they have a problem in the jail. And so we've had a complete breakdown of our family structure in America. So it's been a disintegration. We've got to go back and build. The Scriptures teaches in Psalm 127, except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain who build it. So it's time to rise up and rebuild broken things in our life. We've got to rebuild lives and rebuild people's emotions, rebuild their self-esteem. So it's a time of building up. We've got to rebuild our finances, our financial base. We've lost so much even of the productivity, uh, the manufacturing that this country used to do has been outsourced to other countries. We've got a major rebuilding project that we need to do both spiritually and naturally. You know, we're living in a world of skepticism, yeah? Yes, how do you plan to bring someone who's skeptical or bored about going to church? How do you bring them back to church? What, 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 how do you plan to do that? How do you plan to grow your flock? You know, I'm a shepherd. Sheep bear other sheep. Mm. They know people that I don't know. And so I... You know, we enter to worship, we exit to serve. And I said, you know, find a need and, and fill it. Find an itch in the heart of the agnostic or the atheist person. Find an itch in their, uh, in their life and scratch it. When you meet a need, it will open their heart to you. Uh, sometimes, instead of, I, I don't like for them to uh, force Scripture down a person's throat who doesn't have a relationship with God or whatever, mm. I'd say to them, share, share your own story, your, your testimony. Everybody has a story. People like hearing stories. If you're an interesting person, if you've, if you've lived and, and seen 
God do some things in your life, share the story. A story creates a bridge between two hearts. And then what's in my heart can then be transferred over that bridge and go into another person's heart, and a connection can be made. The problem happens is when you try to give something to another person before you've taken the time to build a relationship and to, in a very practical way, touch their life. You know, Jesus fed the, 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 the multitude. He, he, he created a miracle to feed them because he couldn't teach them when their physical needs had not yet been met. Right. When he did that, it opened their hearts to him. And, and they received him wonderfully. People that didn't, you know, the religious sector of the world, uh, they were the ones against him because he came and changed the status quo. Do you find people actually misunderstand your role? They feel that maybe you can answer what they need, whereas you are really guiding for them, guiding them on how to actually fulfill their need. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, just like even when people come to me for counseling, Mm. I don't want to give them the answer because if I give them the answer, um, you know, if it's a good answer, they'll give me the credit for it. If it's a bad answer, they'll give me the blame for it. And I don't want the blame for it. I want to... I want to uh, equip them, to broaden them, to sharpen their discernment so that they can then make the best informed decision that they possibly can. I want to lead them down a road so that they begin to discover certain things on the journey. If I realize that this is a path that I took, and if I take them down this road, they're going to see things from a different perspective that they've not considered before, and it will impact their lives. The greatest lessons of life are not learned in a course. They are learned on a course. And I'll take them down a course and allow them to discover the things that are on the journey, because the journey helps to make the man. Well, we're coming to the end of the show, but I'd like you to lead us out of the show uh, with a prayer. Would you do that for us? Oh, I'd be honored to do that. Absolutely. The mic is yours, sir. Wow, absolutely. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for the love that you have for us. I thank you for loving the unlovable. Thank you for your grace, Father, and I just pray that you will put such a passion in us so that our hands become an extension of yours. And that we, God, our mouths become your mouth, that our arms become your arms where others are able to feel the love. I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you will help our world, our nation, dear God. May you cause peace and unity to come in the hearts of your people by recognizing that you are the creator of us all. Thank you, God, for giving us life and for giving us family and for love. Thank you for the ability to be able to laugh and to learn and to leave a legacy. Thank you for goodness. Thank you for grace. Thank you for family and friends and food and fellowship and all of the wonderful things. And Lord, even those who experience sorrow, may we learn something through all of that and find your comfort that helps us to become better in everything that we face. Thank you for your grace that has sustained us to this point. May you give us, God, even a greater picture 
in our future of who you desire for us to become so that when we stand before you, help us to live in such a way that we have no regrets of becoming the things that you've placed us in the earth to do and to be. Thank you, God, now for my brothers and sisters around this country. May they feel your love, your touch, and be drawn closer to you in the wonderful, glorious, matchless, and majestic name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That was beautiful, Bishop Dale Bronner, and thank you, God, for letting Bishop come on my show. Mm. That was wonderful. It's <laughs> been a pleasure. Thank you, Bishop. Uh, you were very patient with me. You were very profound. And as always, you're welcome. <laughs> thank you so much wishing oh, you wow. a very merry christmas a very happy new year make sure you come back to the show i most certainly will ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening your comments and your followers so very welcome on my twitter account vip jaswell and my facebook page the vip jaswell report let me know what you think about today's show a special shout out of thanks to my wonderful team william sanchez and rick buser i'll be back next sunday at 6 p.m eastern with more fascinating stories that fill our lives with the inspiration and information we so need to kickstart the week i wish you a wonderful evening tonight with your family and loved ones and dare i say it a very merry Christmas. There you go. I said it.